Today, we're going to be talking about how to create a personal knowledge management system. Now, if you don't know what a personal knowledge management system is, I didn't either until about a week ago. But I realized as I learned this terminology, it's something I want to do better. And I have someone with us today who knows a lot about it. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 129. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stehoviak. This is a weekly coaching show to help us all be better leaders through improved communication, human relations, and personal productivity. And today we're tackling a topic that is something we didn't used to have to worry about a lot, but it's now become so important in the internet and information age here, which is personal knowledge management. And I am thrilled to have Bonnie back on the show who is fresh off of recovery from having our second little one. I'm glad you're back and doing so well. It is nice to be back. Glad to be back on the show and also glad to be talking about this topic. As Dave already knows, but the listeners may not, I am going to be teaching in a doctoral program at Concordia University, which is not where I teach full time, but is one of a local the local universities here. And I'm excited because one of the topics in the class is personal knowledge management. So it was coming up as something that some of the conversations in the community were around just how do we keep up with all the information that's out there. And so I'm excited to bring in some of the things I've been studying and reading and preparing for that portion of the class I'll be teaching. And it kind of goes back to ultimately it comes back to bagels. So did, did you say bagels? I did say bagels. So Dave and I were talking about how we used to consume news and information. How did we keep ourselves up to date with what was going on in the world? And I would say, actually, I probably didn't do a very good job at this, but but what I would do is kind of my Sunday morning routine. I subscribed only to the newspaper just on Sundays. And mm. so I would take the newspaper with me to a local bagel shop and have my bagel and my orange juice and sit down and consume the newspaper. Now, there were a couple of challenges with the newspaper back then. One was I didn't want to read it all, so I didn't have anything to do with want ads. Those would just go off to the side. I was not interested in sports. That would go off to the side. And then, as Dave already knows, you get the newsprint all over your hands. I used to hate And that. then with the bagel and the orange juice, you know, who wants newsprint on your bagel? So there certainly were challenges with it. And today, we have so many better options, but we have to kind of change the way we approach keeping up. And what does it even mean to keep up? Because of course we can't. And in preparing to teach this class, one of the things I saw, Dave, is that each of us is presented. Now we obviously can't actually absorb it all, but is presented with the equivalent of 174 newspapers a day. Wow. So we certainly- As far as the content we see or just the different perspectives or both- but I didn't go that into depth as to the study, but yeah, the content that that were wow, it's incredible put in front of us every day. That's one of the reasons I wanted us to do a show on this because as you've been putting together this this class and putting together and doing the research, and I've looked at some of your material, I was like, wow, that is something that I think I'm better at than I was five years ago or even a year ago. But I'm not anywhere as good at it as I'd like to be, and there's definitely some some good practices to do around this and at least to think about this. And so I think our hope today is that um, you'd walk away from listening to this show, not necessarily doing what we're doing or using the technology that we're doing, 
but of of really doing some thinking about this of how are you taking in information what are you doing with that information when it comes to you and then how are you using that information to be of value to you in your career and personally as well and if we can inspire you to do that in some way and to take one action to do that i think that that's a win for us that's excellent advice dave and and one of the things i would just encourage anyone listening is dave and i are going to mention a lot of different tools and and one caveat is that dave and i don't even use the same set of tools so it wouldn't even be a routine that any one of us could keep up with let alone if you tried to adopt all of ours it, it just wouldn't work so we would really encourage you to just think about what would be a tool maybe a couple tools you might want to try out and and what we're going to be introducing throughout this this podcast is three sort of phases of how to manage the information that's coming in, how to make sense of it, and then ultimately how you might share that with others. And so one of the things that Einstein said is information is not knowledge. So we've got the equivalent of the 174 newspapers. Now I'm sure we could argue just exactly what that, how accurate that is or what it means, but I mean, I don't think anyone listening could argue we're not bombarded with a lot of information. I mean, you could just do a simple Google search and go, oh my gosh, there's so much out there. How do we keep up with it? How do we take information, which really in and of itself isn't valuable to us until we can actually transform it into something actionable for ourselves and actionable. It might be today, something that's important to us. And Dave and I are also going to be making some suggestions about how do you kind of future proof whatever system it is you adopt, because today you might be thinking, I can't, you know, absorb all of this about, uh, I'm just thinking we we recently had a little girl, as listeners might know. So I'm thinking a lot about how to be a good parent to a little girl. And and what does that mean? How is that different from what I think about being a good parent to a little boy meant and, and continues to mean to us now? And so, I, but I can't read everything I get my hands on. So I have ways that when it becomes, when she turns five, for example, what I might be thinking about as a parent to a five-year-old versus to a newborn, they're going to be different things, but just ways to capture knowledge so that it makes sense to us now. And then in the future, if we want to access it again, how might we easily be able to do that? So it makes sense to us. And I think this is really both exciting and overwhelming as much as I wish us not to go back to the days where we just have the option for the local paper and the bagel. Um, those were, that was simple. You know, mm-hmm. you showed up. I remember when I moved to Orange County, Orange County Register, I subscribed to it and I just started getting it and I didn't always read it, but that was the paper everyone read because that's where you lived. Yeah. And so now we have so many options, but it's so easy to get overwhelmed with this. So I thought before we even get into the details of this money, sharing just this formal definition, we don't do a lot of like talking about formal definitions necessarily on the show, but I think that this is a really good one to share just what knowledge management is. And you've pulled this from uh, uh, one of the researchers you've been looking at. I'm, I'm blanking on his name. You remember? Yeah. So if you do a search, if you want the guru, the expert in, or I should say one of them in both knowledge management, which is for organizations, as well as personal knowledge management, which is for individuals, that is Jarsh, J-A-R-C-H-E for our listeners. That'll be in the show notes for you. And he has a wonderful wealth of resources on his website. A lot of it around kind of the academic literature behind why this is important to organizations and why it's important to individuals. And so his definition is that personal knowledge management is a set of processes. And Dave and I are going to be describing what our processes are that we use 
individually constructed. And so again, this individual construction means that I don't copy Dave's exactly and think it's going to work for me and vice versa. So we're going to encourage each one of you to come up with your own set of processes that are individually constructed. And then the last part of his definition is to help each of us make sense of our world and to work more effectively. Mm. And that I, I really, in reading his work, when he talks about work more effectively, I think he thinks of it as broadly speaking, is it work more effectively as a parent, as someone who enjoys art and music, as someone who is an auto mechanic, what whatever it is that we do, whether it's work that for enjoyment's sake or work we're actually compensated for or both, ideally, then how do we do that more effectively and make sense of our world? And that's one of the reasons that I think this is such an important topic for the Coaching for Leaders community because having done some intentional thinking about how you put together and how you're increasing your knowledge is key because I know how powerful knowledge has been in our lives and education has been in our lives. And if we can think strategically on how to do that, that that really provides you a lot better, um, a lot better tools and resources to be an effective leader in your organization. We just came back a little bit ago from Luke's swimming lesson, our two-year-old. And we're recording this on a Sunday afternoon, yeah. Yeah, and so while he was in the pool with the swim teacher, Dave was maybe glancing at a phone, maybe not. And he, he leans over to me and he says, can you it's believe, always email. I think the statistic was a fourth of the population in a, in a recent poll thought. There, there was an NPR story that came across the wire this week that one out of four Americans think that the sun goes around the earth. And I will find the link and put it in the show notes. But that just, I didn't read the article yet, but it just made me think like, wow. <laughs> and I thought Dave had to be reading from the satirical news site, The Onion, because I thought there's no way that that's actually a true story. So I suppose this show is in part to also help create more rigor and discipline around all of us being lifelong learners and wherever we are in our learning journey to not have us be a part of that quarter of the population of whatever it is that doesn't know something that should be a foundational piece of knowledge, I would I would say. Yeah, and, and let's talk about that more in a few minutes because I think sometimes I use that sometimes in just looking at how I'm taking in information online and whether something's really a credible source and whether something, people mm -hmm. a lot of say, always say like this is research shows, but then they won't actually cite an article. Um, so we'll talk more about that when we get to the, the curate portion. So let's, um, can we get into capture? And yeah. The first stage here? And actually, before we do, I'm going to mention Josh just one more time because he really is a pinnacle figure in personal knowledge management. He has a methodology that he calls seek, sense, and share, which goes along with the definition I just read of his. We seek out valuable information that's that's important to us and, and matches with our passions and and priorities. We make sense of it, so both that that it has meaning to us and that it's also, I was talking about being more future-proof, so if I want to look at it again in the future, I can find it, and it's organized and, and categorized in such a way that makes sense to me, and then we share with others. We give back to the community that helps us learn. It helps us with our personal brand and so forth. And so I have, certainly a lot of people have written about personal knowledge management. He's not the only one. And so the words that Dave and I will be using today are similar to his capture, capture the information, curate. So we categorize it, we organize it, we have it make sense to us, and then create. We then create our own unique contribution to a community. 
is that last piece. So we're going to start out with capture. Dave and I are going to talk about the methods that we use and capturing is where we go out. And as Dave said, with credible sources where we're subscribed instead of we're not interested in the sports section, we don't capture the sports section that gets left off of our system of bringing things into our learning universe. And there are two broad ways that Dave and I both capture and our methods have a, have evolved over time. Two broad ways that we do it. One is what the expression is through the stream, through the stream. And the most well-known tool that's referred to as a stream of information coming is Twitter. And that stream is flowing fast. So if you want to know what's happening, Twitter is really well known for when things break, the first place it's going is Twitter. Now, of course, the downside is when things break and are not true, it's a rumor. There's been a lot of celebrity deaths that aren't actual deaths, but they get reported on Twitter and then they just spread like wildfire. So it has a pro and a con. Entire revolutions of countries have taken place because of the the ability for speed that Twitter provided. So there's some amazing political actions. Freedom has been attained or at least sought after through tools like Twitter. And at the same time, then of course, false information can pass so quickly through the stream too. So the stream is quick. I dip my head in the stream or my toe in the stream. I see what's happening right now, but there's no way I could possibly keep up because even if you just went to twitter.com right now, just how quickly stuff is flowing through there, you can't keep up and nor would you want to. So that's, that's a way of the stream is dip your toe in and see what's happening right now. Take the temperature, if you will, versus subscription. So the two broadly speaking approaches to capturing that Dave and I are going to talk about is what's happening now. And then the subscription is what's happened since the last time I checked in. So if you think about the subscription to the newspaper, if you don't check into that newspaper, it just keeps stacking up on your front porch. If you went on a trip and you didn't have your neighbor pick it up for you, that's some downside too. So we have to be pretty disciplined sometimes about going and just taking that huge stack of moldy mildewed <laughs> newspapers that we've been sitting there and put them in the recycle bin without even looking at them so that we're not just constantly just bombarded by everything that's been happening since the last time we checked in. Yeah. And if we took the, uh, you know, what the old model as a, as a framework for this, Bonnie, you know, subs newspaper subscriptions were the old subscription model. Uh, you know, the paper we'd all get on our front porch in the morning. And then the old stream model was, you know, either listening to live radio or listening to you know, maybe watching the nightly news or something like that. Uh, those, those were kind of like, you know, just dipping in and seeing what's there and what's going on in the world or turning on CNN and seeing what people are talking about that. Those are all stream type things. And so Twitter is the best example of the stream. I would say even though things like Facebook, LinkedIn, a lot of the other social media, because you sort of just, you go in there and you see what's there and what people are talking about. And, uh, and that, that is really helpful. And it also has some limitations as well, too. Um, can, can I speak a little bit about what I've done in the past yeah, with please. this? So I've done um, with, with taking in information, the way that I used to do it, and we'll talk more about what this is in a minute, is um, subscribe to internet feeds or what's called RSS, Real Simple Syndication Feeds Online. And for those of you who aren't familiar with that terminology, um, you can actually, on most websites or most people who produce content, including our website, Coaching for Leaders, uh, you can subscribe to a feed. And that feed will um, essentially, uh, you can use some technology called a reader, and it will allow you to um, get information 
in on your device or on your screen or in your account anytime there is something that's posted there. So it's essentially a new version of what we all used to get, which was a newspaper or magazine in the mail. We're just getting it digitally in our digital mailboxes. I used to do that for everything, Bonnie. I didn't use Twitter or anything for news. And I got so overwhelmed with those stacking up that I would, I would subscribe to hundreds and hundreds of different feeds that I found that that really wasn't working for me. And so I ended up switching to just having all my news come in through Twitter and just following the people on Twitter and organizations that I thought were going to provide me with the best news. And I also found that that extreme and just doing that wasn't really effective either because I would just see things happening in the moment. But I realized that not everybody uses Twitter, of course, and also that sometimes um, the information that is happening in the moment isn't the best information. Sometimes I want to read the person's story who's examining something 24, 48 hours later, a week later about a news event or a story or really providing a really detailed analysis on something. And I tend not to get that very much on Twitter. So now I do a little bit of both. I have some things on Twitter that I subscribe to and just kind of keep up on you know, breaking news and organizations I'm following. And more, I follow Twitter for people and keeping relationships strong because I like just connecting with people in our audience. But, um, but now I'm actually going back to subscribing to RSS feeds and using feeds in order to get a lot of my information on longer form articles that I want to read. When it comes to RSS, there are tools that I would refer to as backend tools. And by that, I mean their purpose or their primary purpose is for managing those subscriptions. You might think about them maybe as kind of the local post office sort of, I mean, that's deciding what's coming to your house and what's not coming to your house in terms of the newspapers. So the one that Dave and I use is called Feedly. It's a little bit confusing because Feedly serves a lot of different purposes. You could just read your news right on Feedly if you wanted to. But what I do is I subscribe to the content I want. I grab what's called the RSS feed. There's a little orange icon that shows up on almost all websites today that allows you to subscribe to them. And I put those subscriptions inside of Feedly to track what's been read, what hasn't been read, what does she want to read, what's she subscribing to. Then as far as what you use to read what you've subscribed to in Feedly, the options are limitless. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of one of those where There's always some great tool that's coming up. Again, you could just subscribe on Feedly, read on Feedly, mark everything as read, track it all on Feedly. I use a tool called Newsify. I will tell you there's great ones out there. I don't even, at this point in time, there's just so many rich options for people who want to do reading. Yeah, and for for those who are maybe thinking like, ooh, gosh, this RSS feed subscriptions, tell me what that means. So Feedly, and there's three or four major services like this, but Feedly is is a very popular one and it's completely free. So you can sign up for an account at Feedly.com and you can um, then go to any website and there's usually a button, an RSS button. There's one on the Coaching for Leaders site. So if you go there, it's in the upper right and you can just click on it and then you can subscribe through your Feedly account. And what happens is anytime, say for example, I write a blog post and post it up on the website, you automatically get that in your Feedly account. So you can, like Bonnie said, either go right onto Feedly or you can use another app that Feedly uh, talks to. And I use one called Mr. Reader on the iPad, which is great. So, But I've, it connects to my Feedly account. And that way, things just show up on my iPad when people that I'm following or organizations I'm following post things on their website or write articles or major publications. And so that's how I get my news. I don't have to go searching for it. It just comes in and that way I can, and you can read and share it. You can do all the cool stuff with that. So I think for most 
uh, people, especially a lot of people in this audience who are professionals, I think using RSS in some way is really smart because it is so easy to use. It is really uh, very straightforward. And so I'll put a link in the notes on the show, of course, for how to get to Feedly and just kind of some basic things on how to get started. So Dave, I've got, I could keep going about capture, but I wonder if we shouldn't move on to curate looking at the, at the clock. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we are, we are, uh, we are, got less speaking of trying to, uh, I could talk about this all day. Oh, I know I could too. So, um, let me mention a couple other just capture things. So of course, websites are out there subscribing to emails. Um, I try to limit the emails that I subscribe Mm -hmm. to, but I do subscribe to a few emails that just, you know, provide, I kind of like the people who just send out stuff once in a while. You know, once a week, I'm, I try to do that with this community. I just send a once a week message. Um, I don't like the stuff that's daily or multiple times a day or the breaking news stuff that you get tons of emails from. So that's an option. Podcasts, of course. Um, you're actually, however you listen to this show, most likely you are subscribed to an RSS feed in order to get this podcast. That's what makes it a podcast. So your podcast reader, whatever you're using for your digital device or on the on the web, is a subscription based. It you know cues our website to get the most recent information. So you're already using RSS, even if you don't realize it. So so those are all ways that you can capture information. And then, of course, there's the traditional ways too, just reading things and and books. You know, that's one thing actually we didn't mention is books. Um, you know, I, I use the Kindle app for reading. And so I use that on my digital, on my iPad. And use use the Kindle app as well for reading. Yes. So, so that's another way. Um, we Both of us try to do a lot of reading digitally not necessarily because we don't like reading by paper, at least for me, I just like to be able to do something with the information if I highlight it or I want to send it somewhere. And I think that brings us right to our next, uh, the second step here, which is curate. So we've got all this information that's come in. Well, what do we do with it? Because it's still, even if you limit your subscriptions, which both Dave and I do try to limit, I'm I'm not, I'm... (laughs) I love you, you information a, you so do, much. You do. You have a lot of I can of also feet. skim really fast too, so that's to my benefit. You're a much better skimmer than I am. I can't, I can't handle the quantity of information you do. But 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 we have to do, you can't process it all. So you have to do something with it and make mm-hmm. some decisions about that information. And the better that we do that, the better we'll be able to have it make sense for us both now and into the future. And so one of the biggest things for this category of things is to decide whether or not you want a tool that is actually going to copy the information and save it somewhere or whether it's enough for you to just go to the link. So let's say that right now back to the NPR story that Dave was talking about that was had a story about a quarter of the people think that the sun revolves around the earth. You wanted to save that. Right. And and because you wanted to be able to use it as an anecdote in a speech in the future or what what have you. Do you want to just link to NPR's website or do you actually want that text from the website to exist somewhere so that if NPR, their website doesn't exist someday down the line or they change their linking schemes at some point down the line, that you're going to be terribly upset if that web page itself goes away at some point. Now, what I have decided is that in almost all cases, not 100%, but close to 100% of the time, I'm confident enough in the sources that I'm linking from, like NPR, they don't want to lose my future clicks down the road so they don't change their linking schemes. That's It's just, 
it's not necessarily considered very professional to be doing that down the line or to not have that information exist. So they're far more concerned about it than I am. Yes, there will be times when links will be broken for whatever reason, naming schemes get changed, what have you. But by that time, is that statistic about a quarter of people saying that they think the sun revolves around the earth likely to be current anyway? Yeah, exactly. So for me, if it's something, if it's if it's my dissertation research that I did years back, I'm going to want that to exist somewhere outside of that website because that would be something that would be terribly awful if I was in the middle of research and it went away. For the most part, it's just so easy to link to a web page that I don't find the need for it to exist somewhere. But those are the two broad categories to think about in curation. So the equivalent would be that my mom and I used to do a lot of photographing, uh, not photographing, photocopying of magazine articles mm-hmm. and having them in manila folder somewhere. I remember your manila folder system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you'd have, um, and you had it by topic, right? So you'd like yeah. find a topic on, for example, education and you'd have a whole folder there and presumably whenever you would give a talk or you would be preparing a class or doing a consulting engagement something that related to that mm-hmm. would what would you would you pull it out and just literally start looking through them or how would oh that, sure yeah. yeah yeah absolutely so that's the equivalent of having it exist somewhere outside the magazine if you will got it so but but to- as opposed to like relying on that magazine's website or something like that to be able to track it down. Well, I think, yeah, relying on back in the day that the library is going to have the magazine. And I just say it's page 12 of Time Magazine from 1973 or whatever, and having to go down to the library and hoping that they still kept that that print copy of it there. That would be the analogy I would use. I remember doing, remember reading, what was it? The Reader's Guide was the periodical uh, probably still out there database mm-hmm. where you'd have to go look up and then you'd yeah. find that and it would take 20 or 30 minutes to track down an article at the library and uh, but it, it worked it worked but but there's so many faster ways to do it now and that this is a struggle i've had bonnie because i i haven't found a good system i well i actually did in the last week or two i think i found my system but up until recently i was taking a lot of things and i was just kind of copying and pasting them and i'd put them into evernote or if it was a really good article, I'd save sometimes it as a PDF and I'd put it on my hard drive. But I wouldn't necessarily have a great way to go back and track that stuff. And you have been doing this much better than I have. So maybe you could share a little bit about your system and what you used and why you used it and, and how it's worked. And, and I've actually been able to tap into it too. The system that I use is called Delicious.com. And Delicious.com used to exist as an independent company and then was bought out by Yahoo. And it was one of those things that the stories, <laughs> I thought it was going to go away for a while because actually before they were bought out, it seemed like maybe it was going to go away. And so whatever tool it is that we use, not just with relation to curating, but any tools that we use, you always want to think about how you might get the information out if the website was to go away. Mm-hmm. And so they had, at the time, I could have exported and moved to any of these other tools that are out there. That's the nice thing if you've done your diligence around a good tool. So even in that scary time where I thought they were going to go away, it wasn't that scary for me because I knew I could get my information back out. So it's a bookmarking service. And what that means is if I go to a website, I go or I'm reading on my iPad using Newsify, my newsreader, I see something I go, oh, hey, I'd like to be able to reference this in the future. I can easily just bookmark it and I can give it what are called tags. Tags are the equivalent of putting it in a manila folder 
but the ability to put it in more than one manila folder because it might relate to multiple topics. So maybe the topic is history and economics and politics, and I want to be able to search for it under all three of those topics in the future. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing is, is that I've been, I've been a very disciplined bookmarker for years. In fact, I should look when I first joined, but it is at least... It's at least 2006, 2007. Yeah, because you, um, and this is where, this is helpful to the our next point about sharing is I asked, what was it I asked you about recently? Something I was looking for some information on. on E-learning. Was yeah, something e-learning because I was doing something for a client or a class. And you said, okay, here's my link. Here's my, you know, delicious.com slash, you know, your username slash e-learning tag. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, I put in that link in my browser and 25 articles show up that you've tagged over the last seven or eight years. Now, some of the older ones, the links were broken, mm-hmm. but like you said, you know, a lot of that information probably isn't current anymore anyway, but I did find some great information that you tagged recently on e-learning and going through, and that was really valuable. And I could tap into your knowledge base and, and your digital library and your management system without you even being there, which was really cool. Yeah, and it's nice, like you said, some of the older ones, I don't even scroll back to older pages because it's the more fresh stuff from the last couple of years that I'm looking for. But it still is nice that I don't have to do a lot of management. It's still there if I wanted to go back to it. And it's all searchable, not just by tag, by the way, but there would be other ways of searching within all of the bookmarks that I've got up there. So that's the big one is is delicious but it's just one tool of many tools and dave you've been talking about this pin board i don't know that we have time to go into tons of feature by feature comparison but there are a couple things that really struck you as things you're excited about using as you adopt the new tool yeah and so pin board is very similar to what delicious does it's an online service uh the difference is it is paid so uh, but it's it's very inexpensive it's 10 it's like ten dollars one time um, and what Pinboard does is the same thing Delicious does. You can save tag, you can save links and tags and comments about articles. What is um, what is a little different? It's a little more geeky. It's not quite as user friendly or quite as graphically friendly as Delicious is. So I think for a lot of people, Delicious is probably a really good option. The thing that I really like about Pinboard is it solves the "what if the link goes away" problem because you can Pinboard for twenty five bucks a year will archive everything you put in your account. So mm-hmm. if I put in an account, if I put in that article today from NPR in my account and I tag it and I paid the $25 a year, it archives it and it saves it on their server. So even if NPR takes that story down at some point or that link breaks, I can still I still have access to that story. It's still tagged. I still have access to it and anyone who I want to have access to it also has access to it. So, so that's just another example. Um, I think both services are really good. You'll hear a lot of good things about both of them online. So it's a great way to curate your digital, your digital knowledge. And so what we'll do is in the show notes, I'll put a link to Bonnie's delicious account. And you can see, and I think if you go to the, the main, your main page, you'll see a list of tags and all that, that mm-hmm. people could access. And, and that's your, all yours are freely available, right? People have access to that. Oh, sure. And I was going to yeah. say that if anybody has things, I have things that I want to keep as private bookmarks. I don't feel like people knowing what I'm reading in all cases. And so it offers the option for private bookmarks too. So the ones that Dave will send you, only ones you could see are ones that I have made as public, which almost everything I save is public, but there's a couple of topics that I don't like to be real public about that I'm researching. Yeah, me me too. So, and that's the great thing. And by the way, both these accounts, you can really close down and have them just private. So you don't have an ability for other people to see what you've done or see what you're sharing. So I'll put the link to Pinboard. Mine's at coachingforleaders.com slash Pinboard goes to my... uh, digital library and all the articles that I've uh, that I've put together. I'm I'm just started to use last week or two. I really like it. 
I've never done this before, and I'm I used to save stuff in Evernote. And I'm actually moving stuff ever from Evernote over because I love the tagging system. It's really cool. It's awesome. It's always hard when we talk about these tools because, of course, Evernote has tagging too. There's some yeah. advantages to Evernote. It's a great tool in and of itself. I'm going to mention one more tool. Then we got to talk about Create. The one more tool is tools like Digo. That's D-I-I-G-O. And Digo is one that takes it one step deeper where you can actually highlight and make notes on the web page that you're looking at. And those highlights and notes are also shareable and saved. And so that's just one, that that feature never carried me over to actually switch tools. There's an opportunity cost and sort of the the sunk costs of you're already in one and you know it and it's all linked to all your different news sources. But For sure. I just wanted to mention that there's lots of great options. And our last phase that we're going to talk about here is create. So now that we've captured all this knowledge, we've made sense of it, we've curated it, we've categorized it, it's organized we have now the ability to pass it on to other people. We might do that because we see it as an option for giving back to people that have helped us learn. So we want to kind of be a, a provider for learning for other people too. We might see it as a way of enhancing our personal brand, building some credibility into what we have to offer, perhaps from a professional standpoint. And there's also just the idea that for me, I, I certainly do it. I, I enjoy the aspect of personal branding and credibility that brings. I like the giving back, but I'll tell you, I just love how it almost becomes like a circle because by me going out and passing on some of what I've learned and some of my original content as well, and some combination there, I find I then get connected to other people, other ideas, other organizations. So it's just a cyclical thing where the learning creates more learning, which creates more learning, which creates more learning. So I find it very, very motivating to, to pass on. And in terms of passing on, I'll just quickly mention, I do pass things on via Twitter. I also have a blog around my teaching called teaching So that's one way that I pass things on. Twitter is kind of one of those more quick things. If I see something I think might benefit people that are in particularly educational technology is one of the areas I'm, I'm connected with a lot of people and I'll do it that way. And so those are the two ways that I'll pass things on. Yeah. And this is something that I tend to be more of the, you're great about uh, sharing links and, and knowledge and information with people and getting it out there. And I tend to do more of kind of thinking about those things and then I'll create something out of it. So I'll either write an article that the weekly articles come out of that. So I'll look at some of that information that I've captured, the knowledge that's that's emerged from it. Uh, will This podcast is often uh, looking at things that I've come into my radar screen in the last few weeks or few months. So I keep a database of future show topics. Um, also just, uh, you know, from con just conversation starters, I love like talking about some of the articles that you and I come across as conversations when we have lunch or dinner with people. And I just think that that's a ton of fun. And some, by the way, some of these services allow that too. So like, you know, Pinboard and Delicious will also show you what's popular, what people are sharing. So there's some opportunity to do that. But I think what I do less effectively than you do, Bonnie, and I'm actually curious, and people can put this on the comments on the show notes too, is I've, I was sharing a lot more on Twitter and Facebook and articles as I found them. And I've done that less recently. I haven't really found a good way to do that. I've got information out there. So I'm not sure what that's going to be long-term as far as if I should just have the Pinboard account and people could subscribe to that if they want to find out what I'm reading or if I should share more on Twitter. So I'm curious what people think. So if those of you who listen regularly have thoughts on that, I'd really be curious if you would 
throw a comment up on the show notes here. Uh, I'd, I'd love to know because that's something that's the piece of the system for me as far as the sharing piece. If it's not an article or a podcast, I haven't really figured out how to really share that information effectively with the world and the way people want it. One of the things I started to do was to go back maybe once a week, maybe twice a week and look at bookmarks that I had saved during the last few days or last week. Mm. And, and then at that time, figure out what was the one big idea that I took away from it and write a tweet about it and then link to the article for people who want more out of it. Oh, interesting. And then that was a good way for me to kind of not try to combine these phases all at one time because it's too overwhelming. So I think about capturing and then curating. Capturing is more what I decide to subscribe to over time and being really diligent about getting rid of garbage I don't want to subscribe to anymore. And then I spend a lot of time, of course, curating during the week and then just having that that time of, of sharing. I did want to mention that I've been can, talking can about... Can I ask you one quick oh, thing? Sure. On that? Do you... Do you have something that reminds you to do that? Do you just naturally do that? What What's your system for how you make that work and are intentional about sharing that with people? I don't have anything that reminds me. It was something I started to do and then we had a baby. <laughs> so I haven't been doing it quite as much. So no, but that would be a good you, idea. To... You've, been, you've been really good with that. That's why I'm wondering. And so, and it, you're just so naturally a sharer and a giver and I have to think to do that. That's, mm. that's the challenge I have. So I, I wonder if maybe that's something I should incorporate as part of my system is to you know, have something that just reminds me once a week of my task management system. Because as soon as I think of it, I'm like, oh yeah, I should do that. But I just don't yeah. think to do it most of the time. I would think scheduling would be a good a good thing, especially for someone like yourself with, that already has a podcast and some rigor around regular communication. That way it would probably be another good thing to tuck in there. Yeah, cool. I've been talking about sharing to a broad community. I have almost 500 followers on Twitter, which is not really that much all things considered. And and just because somebody's following me on Twitter doesn't mean they're actually reading it. I don't get tons of engagement as far as retweets or things like that. So I think the more powerful than thinking about, oh, look at all these hundreds of people following me, which again, just because they clicked follow doesn't actually mean they're reading what it is I had to contribute. I think a real powerful thing for us to be thinking about is the more personal community where I, I see an article and I think, oh, I think this might really be of interest to, to this particular person that I work with or this friend that I've got that's interested in the same thing that I am too. And so one of the professional tools that helps people do that is LinkedIn. And those of you that have people you're connected with on LinkedIn, they have now a little mini contact manager in there. It'll tell you the last time that you had contact with the person if you have it set up to do this. And a little oh, really? bit about, I didn't know that. yeah, a little bit about your communication and it'll actually kind of organize it for you and say, you haven't been in touch with this person for more than a year, for more than six months or whatever. So if you wanted to try that out in LinkedIn, you could be thinking about your own professional network and making sure that you're planting seeds of offering value. A lot of times the students I work with, most of them are 18 to 22 year olds and a lot of their lives, they see it as taking you know, I'm, I'm getting mentoring from my professors or I'm, I'm getting their feedback. I'm getting their coaching. And one of the things that some of the professors will try to share with them is you kind of need this to be a two way street. You need to be giving back to your professors. And a lot of my former students are really good about doing that. Mm. They'll send me an article. Oh, I thought you might like this, even if it's just something funny. In fact, I love when current students are really good about doing that too. I think you'll enjoy this. It seems like something you'll find humorous or whatever. And that really makes them stick in my mind. And then when somebody says, Hey, do you know of any good people for a marketing opportunity here? I go, those students who have been good 
about maintaining their connections with me, those are the ones that are going to be the first that come to my mind. So LinkedIn can help all of us do that with our professional networks. And I'll tell you, it makes a huge difference. If I get a personal email from someone, hey, I think you would find this interesting, then if I just happen to see it on their Twitter feed, I mean, there's a there's light years difference in terms of the quality of that relationship building and maintenance over time. Nothing is a substitute for that personal connection. And I think that that's something that, especially for those of us who tend to be a little more introverted, uh, we can always make out and make that person, not make out, but make that personal <laughs> connection. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Hold on while we pause the show here. Um, we can make that personal one-on-one connection with someone and just send that email or to write a note. And and I do that a lot of times with people. And I find that, that that's something that people really appreciate and they really like. And they think, wow, that person's really thinking of me and they're thinking about something that's important to me. And you, we've had several times, I'm just thinking the last year or two, where someone has said to you, we've been somewhere interacting with someone and someone said to you, I feel like, Bonnie, you're my own personal RSS reader. Yeah. Like you send so many things to people and share so many things to people. Like you're, you're like your own media <laughs> channel, which I think is really funny um, and cool too. I just think it's cool that you have that relationship with people who are in your community and engage with you. And uh, And I think that, I hope that this discussion of some of these systems gives you an idea of what it is that you might create that would help you to build your knowledge, to be able to think about what you do with it and how you'd add value to others. And if you can do that as a leader, I think you're just doing so many great things for your team, the people around you, your peers, and yourself ultimately. So uh, it's 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 a it's a pretty exciting all these these different technology tools that are out there. And as we said at the beginning of the podcast, don't try to do this all. Maybe pick one tool that might help you to capture. Yeah, for try, sure. Try Feedly, if you will, or, or try Twitter. I mean, just just pick one small tool you'll you'll think about adopting. Something for curating whether that's Pinboard you want to give a try, you want to try Delicious or something like that, Evernote, if you're already using it, why not then start using it for curating? It's great for that. And then some way to share, some way to give back. So the question for the show notes this week will be, what's one thing, one action you'd take to implement based on the tools we talked about, or maybe we've sparked a new idea for you that we didn't talk about and add that into the show notes. Hey, Bonnie, thanks so much for the dialogue. This was great. Thanks. Wow, we hit on a lot. We were hoping to be a little more concise with that, but there's a lot out there and really we just scratched the surface. But here's the thing that I hope you do take away is that that thinking on those three steps, capture, curate, and create. If you start thinking in those three through those three lenses as you're handling information, I think it will really help drive your personal knowledge management. And be sure to check out the show notes as well for this episode because everything we linked, including the links for our libraries and all of our you know articles we've collected is available. So check that out, coachingforleaders.com slash 129. That is also a great place to join the conversation as well. I'd love feedback from those of you who are interested in me sharing more on social media networks or or through email or however you think's appropriate, um, articles, resources. I'm interested in what would work for this community and what you like that I am doing, what you don't like, what you think I should change. That would be great to put up there on the feedback board. In addition, 
I'd love you to answer the question, what's one action you'll take to improve your personal knowledge management? And if you do take one of the actions from this episode, then that'll get you further along in managing knowledge effectively. And the better we all do that, the better we are have access to information that we need. Um, and even the great thing is with some of these online systems now, we don't even have to fill our brains with all that information. We can free up our thinking for other things, and then we know exactly where to get the information we need when we want to call upon it. And uh, I think that's one of the great things about learning is that you learn how to learn. Uh, you know, you just learn how you can find things faster. I think that's one of the great blessings of uh, getting education. Hey, I'd also love any comments, questions, or feedback you have just about this show in general or any topic in, related, in relation to communication, human relations, or personal productivity. If you have a comment or question for me or feedback for the show, coachingforleaders.com slash feedback is the way to do that. You can always call in feedback as well too to 949-38-LEARN here in the States. Otherwise, the feedback link is great to be able to do audio or email. Hey, I want to mention one other thing before letting you go this week. Um, it, this is a something that probably won't be of interest to most people in the community. Um, however, I wanted to mention it because there is now a new way to get alerted when the show publishes. Some of you may have heard of this new service out there called app.net. So it's app.net. The best way I can describe it without going into way too much detail is that it is like Twitter, except that it is a paid service. And instead of Twitter, where you have kind of advertisements and other things in there, uh, app.net is a paid service, and it is uh, purely for people who just want to have communicate with others, um, but not be see advertisements and not see, you know, kind of the rest of the world's noise on there, as you do get a lot of noise on Twitter. And app.net has become very popular, especially in the tech community. And I know some of you uh, are a part of the tech community and will know of this service. So for those of you who are members or have uh, are interested in app.net, I wanted you to know that I have set up a broadcast for when the show publishes. Uh, app.net has this kind of cool thing that they've just introduced where if you're an app.net member, you can sign up for a application on your phone or device, and it will alert you when you subscribe to a broadcast when something happens. And so I have set up a broadcast for when the show publishes each week. And so if that's something of interest to you and you are a member, you can go to coachingforleaders.com slash ADN, and that will take you right there. And for those of you who are app.net members, you'll already know what that means. And if you're not, and none of what I just said makes any sense, or you have no interest in that, do not worry about it. Uh, just continue to enjoy the show the way you have been. Just wanted to let you know about all the resources that are out there, though, to continue to stay connected with the community. And um, and speaking of staying connected, the I did take a look at that article again on the sun and the earth and the one in four Americans, and I actually had thought that was maybe kind of a fringe article. So I was like, I better go back and look at that before we publish this episode. And it turns out it's from it's an article that uh, went in NPR uh, just this last day or so. And it's from a survey conducted by the National Science Foundation. So it's a pretty credible source. And they're saying that a quarter of Americans could not correctly answer that the earth revolves around the sun. So I just wanted to add in my voice here and tell you if you think that the sun revolves around the earth, it doesn't. There you go. So... 
thank you this week to Sarah Snowden, Jeremy Sneller, Gorenda Balapo, Sarithiram Kishore, Demetria Henry, Carl Patty, Seth, uh, no last name. Hi, Seth. How you doing? Uh, Doug Fitzgerald, Ken Sharar, Kimberly Dyes, Lav Enor, Matthew Morsey, Joe Lanza, uh, Arfan Sharif, Daniel Warren Smith, Hope Montanez, Martin Noble, Ralph Sheridan, Clayton Hunter, Jade Ballack, Angel Romero, Lee Chan, David Kung, Alexandra Masia, Michael Hill, and Chase Holmgren. Thank you to all of you for subscribing to the weekly update this past week. I do publish an email each Wednesday that will give you a booster shot between the shows on how to lead better and give you some advice on improving your communication, human relations, or personal productivity. Plus, all of the notes from the show each week will be at the bottom part there, including all of the notes and links from this episode today. So if you'd like to get that in your inbox, just go to coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe and you'll get that each Wednesday. Plus you'll get access to the video overview I've done and downloadable guide on the 10 leadership books that will help you get better results from others. So definitely check that out. Thank you to everyone uh, who's a part of the community. I'm so glad to be connected with you each week and I look forward to talking with you again next Monday. Take care.